and those that play a role in technology as a critical part about thinking about that strategy and how that strategy gets solved through a technology outcome. So I think it's shifting and I think that the important part for people who are in technology but also who are evolving and emerging in, as tech leaders is to be able to have a conversation that is based around the solution and the problems we're trying to solve for customers and for organizations rather than the tech itself. Welcome to the Career Success Coach podcast. If you're an accomplished professional ready to attract ideal opportunities, level up your career growth and create a powerful presence in your industry, you're in the right space. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and I'm passionate about helping executives and business professionals become visible in their space, establish themselves as a leading authority and create their dream opportunities. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Career Success Coach podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and today I've invited one of my fabulous clients, Sheena Peters, to join me on the podcast to talk about her career and her experience with my Shine program, which helps executives to raise their profile and accelerate their career. Sheena helps organisations to achieve bold outcomes through transformation for adaptable growth, scale and innovation. She currently holds a position of General Manager of Product and Technology at CSU Health Group. Sheena is an absolute powerhouse with a wealth of knowledge and I know you'll love this episode. Hello and welcome, Sheena. It's so great to have you on the podcast today. So let's start with you've had an interesting career history and you're now the GM of product and technology at a company called Sisu and you've worked for some amazing companies in your career as well. But there was a time in your career where you stepped out from the corporate world and had your own business. So why don't we start there? Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me today. I haven't really had a straight path in my career. I um, I was always curious about doing something on my own. So when my kids were younger, I decided to create my own business and it was in personalised stationery, so completely different to anything that I'd been doing before, everything from manufacturing products to distribution. We managed to win very quickly some large um, customers, including you know the likes of Borders and and for those who don't remember, Angus and Robertson. <laughs> An interesting learning for me, and I think it'll be helpful for the rest of our conversation, is that it was the early days of the internet. You know, Twitter, blogs um, were really accessible by then. And like with every young business, cash flow is always a problem, right? Um, so I had to break a few rules along the way. And that was being a distributor that decided to go digital straight to retail customers. Wow. Now that's pretty common today, but in those days, you know. <laughs> Definitely. It wasn't that common. No. Yeah. So how long did you do that for? About three years. And then was it the pull of the corporate world? Is that what pulled you back in or what was it that made you say, no, going back to corporate? Well, I had really young kids at the time and it's interesting because there's a little bit of illusion that having your own business gives you a huge amount of flexibility. And maybe it was a little bit of timing as well. My kids were really young. I didn't probably have all the flexibility that I I thought I would have. And yeah. you spend 
a lot of time in your own business. It actually consumes you, right? More than that, I felt like I just achieved what I wanted to. I'd learned what I felt like I needed to learn. And to this day, I think that I still use that. Yes. So where did you go after that? What was your next step? You know, so it's either the other way, one way or the other, right? I want to go and start my own business or I want to get back into the corporate world. It's not always that easy to get back into the corporate world once you've been out. What was your experience like? I started out in the corporate world. So I started out in consulting and when my kids were young, before I actually went into my own business, I continued to do part-time consulting. I've had relationships in the industry already, and I think that's probably an important learning, you know, is to really maintain those connections and relationships. Um, so when I wanted to come back, I um, really just reached back out to you know, people that I'd kept in touch with, relationships that I'd maintained. And went from there. So my first gig back was with the NAB, which actually now that I think about it, probably was a little bit courageous because I'd never worked in a bank before. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, come straight out of my business where I had a lot of control and I dictated all my own terms into 30,000 plus (laughs) company. (laughs) Which has got a whole culture of its own and a whole way of working. Yeah, and a lot of history, right? Like what's interesting about a bank, actually, if I reflect back to my experience before I went into my own business, it was in consulting. So I wasn't spending a lot of time in organizations. But then, you know, when I came into the NAB, what you realize is that people have long running relationships and deep relationships, right? They've been there for years or they've known each other for a long time. A lot of people in banking work across the banking sector. Yes, very true. So for me, that was probably the biggest and learner is that people had long running and deep relationships and deep networks. Yeah, that's very true. You've got to figure out a way to navigate that and be trusted. Yeah, and you haven't always lived in Melbourne, have you? No. I started my career in New Zealand I moved to Melbourne whilst I was consulting. Um, I was with Ernst & Young at the time. So I took an opportunity to come here for a couple of years and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> We're lucky for it. So thinking about before we started working together, uh, what problems were you facing if you had any that you wanted to share? Yeah, that's a really good question actually. I guess if I reflect on my career, it hasn't really been a straight path. And what I mean by that is that, you know, I haven't spent, let's say, long periods of time in an organisation and sort of progressed my way through in any particular singular organisation. I've probably done a variety of work. That's largely because I really love solving problems. You know, I think I've found my niche, right, which is that, you know, I think one of the greatest advantages of being in technology and in an area of transformation is that we get to create solutions that really help people right, and change the lives of people. So I've probably followed more of a path that's driven by that desire rather than necessarily any particular progression path. And I think that the other probably aspect of it is that uh, those decisions have also been made because I'm the primary caregiver. And so, you know, I haven't often made decisions 
purely based on just my career alone, you know, I factored in, as I'm sure with most women, right, my children and their lives and, you know, what I sort of want to see from a family situation. So this is the first time I've sort of had the opportunity to be at an inflection point where that hasn't necessarily been the constraint. I wouldn't say it's a constraint, but an important factor. My kids are coming to the tail end of high school, my older child in university and coming to the end of that. So I think that's really prompted me to think about, you know, what do I want to do over the next five to 10 years without any specific, you know, restrictions, but it's meant that I can think about things differently. Mm, It's a nice place to be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not quite there yet, but I do speak speak to a lot of people who get to that point who are like, yeah, my time now. It's quite refreshing. And I think you need someone to help you think outside the square because you've been in that square for a while. As you know, I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years, right? 20 years. So, yeah. So, yeah, it is a long time. So, giving you that freedom, I suppose, what did that mean for you? Like having sort of that time to, I suppose, map out what you wanted, go for what you want. What did that mean for you? Actually, it comes with opportunity and it comes with challenge. And that is that you can have a wealth of ideas of what it is that you want to do. It's a bit like, you know, when you go to a car park and uh, there's just too many spaces to park in. You actually can't pick one, right? If it's really busy, it's really easy to make the choice. It's <laughs> a good analogy. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily hinged to a straight path, right? Because there's nothing that I've done in the last 20 years that's demonstrated that. I think I knew what I wanted to do in terms of, you know, like, I like to do things that are aligned with my values, purpose, to show up every day and contribute. So now it was just a matter of thinking about how I bring all that together and think about what that looks like over the next five years. So that brings me to my next question. What three areas did you find of our working together had the biggest impact? Look, I think the first one is what you prompted out of the time we've spent together is that I have a lot of knowledge I can contribute, right? And that there's an opportunity for me to structure that and make it part of my brand, which is that, you know, I don't always need to just offer that information in the role that I'm in, that I can structure it in such a way and make it available and valuable to other people and through other channels, right? Whether it's through LinkedIn, whether it's through this podcast, whether it's through speaking engagements, That was a bit of an eye-opener for me. And that also becomes valuable as you think about your career over the next five to 10 years. And I think that that was probably a really big learning for me. Yeah. That over the years, you know, I've learned a few things and those lessons learned and that valuable information is something that I can use to advise and take other people on the journey. The second one is just to have the confidence to put down what I want to do, what my career looks like for me. I think we can often get influenced by what we see around us, what the world, I suppose, tells us looks like the right steps or the right things. And sometimes that's always conflicted with how I've sort of seen what I'd like to do. That's probably my two big ones, actually. My third one is probably just to make time to think these things through. I think that we often put a lot of time into other things, especially as parents. And so, you know, 
we're often coaching, advising, mentoring our children, our teams, right? And what this forced me to do was actually really put that thinking time into my own stuff, basically. Do you know, that's actually a really, really good point because I find it too, like I have to really factor in that time to think. And I was listening to, you know, just before this podcast, I was making lemon slice for for my son's grand final this afternoon, right? And I was listening to an audio book at the same time and trying to sort of, you know, maximise all of it, but really just taking that time out to just have some creative outlet, jot down your ideas. It just makes such a um, an impact in terms of even just in your own mental space and well-being, you know, but also for your career because you do have so much knowledge. And if you can structure it in a way that makes sense, then you will actually be able to add value to your industry. And the interesting thing for you, Sheena, is that you are already doing a little bit of speaking and, you know, stuff that was out there. So did you find that you were attracting opportunities and did this help you with constructing your content moving forward after that? I found that I was attracting opportunities, but one, I didn't really value them as much as I do now. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if I was attending something, I mean, I I put all the effort into the one or two things I would agree to do. Yes. But I think it's back to appreciating that those things take time and you have to be able to put allocate time out to structure the thought. And now that I've sort of been able to figure out where I can put that time and that I value that, I'm probably prepared to say yes to more things. Yeah, and I suppose it's important to say yes to the things that align with your goals. You know, there's no point in doing something that's like, you know, and, and often people get stuck in that with, you know, they're in a role in a company and they take a lot of opportunities, but they're just all about their company and not about them. So it's about sort of shifting that as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think you've called out a really good point, you know, is to be selective about where it is that you want to have that conversation and offer that information that's aligned with your own, I guess, themes, value proposition. Yeah. And to, systematically you know spend time on that yeah that's probably a big lesson that I've learned from you is how to create a bit of a structure around that yeah were there any I suppose hesitations or reasons why you maybe thought oh I don't want to work on this (laughs) or I'm not going to work with Sarah was there anything sort of holding you back probably I knew that I'd have to allocate time yeah I knew that it wouldn't be necessarily easy I think it is difficult to spend time talking about yourself. <laughs> but it is you a know, luxury and, too. And it's not something that I comes naturally to me, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's easy to avoid, right? Yeah. And I knew when you asked me the question, like, are you ready to, you know, go, proceed? I had that moment where I thought, I'm actually going to have to really spend time on this. So that was probably my only hesitation. (laughs) Well, that's very, I would imagine a lot of people think, you know, time, you know, time gets in the way. But I suppose it's one of those things, you know, if you don't invest it, everything that is worth doing requires that investment of you and your time, doesn't it? That's a good one. And I suppose what were your favourite parts of working with me? One of the interesting things is that I never really did the homework in a structured way. (laughs) But what it did do was, and you probably remember me saying, oh, I need to take those notes out. So I kept a book because I still like to write. And I know people find this strange for someone who's been in technology for so long. 
<laughs> but I still have a pen and notebooks. And what was really great was that it sparked all these ideas and thinking. And I used to find time, you know, in the early hours of the morning to note all that down so I didn't forget it. But I really love that when we met, and I used to look forward to it, by the way, you sort of flexed and you worked with where I was at in that moment, what I was sort of, you know, working through rather than potentially going back and saying, okay, well, you know, we're up to step two or we're up to step three. And I found that to be really helpful because I'm probably not a hugely structured thinker. Yeah. So eventually, you know, I do bring all of that together and connect the dots, but I don't necessarily do it in a structured way. I don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) That's right. I'm a little bit the same on other things as well. But I think that's important because there are things that come up in your life during that period of time. And I see this with a lot of clients, you know, sometimes it'll be, I have just got this massive opportunity. I'm about to start a new role or I've just been, you know, given this opportunity to go for this interview. And, you know, so it's good to be able to apply it to real life things as well. I want to add one more thing. And that is that you brought a lot of examples to the table for whatever we were talking about or working on. I loved how you sort of pointed to a person or a topic or a podcast or, you know, sort of the real range of things I could tap into to draw from. I did this course once where they said, you know, we're going to write our professional story, but here's a white piece of paper, you know, go have fun with that. And here's some key things. That's really difficult, right? Like, because when you already have a whole bunch of thoughts that you're not sure how to structure, that makes it more challenging. It doesn't actually help. So I think one of the things I really enjoyed is that you were sort of able to point in a direction without setting all of the boundaries, but just highlighting some reference points that you could reflect on to be able to guide you on how to work through things. Yeah, and that's all about that fast tracking. Like, you know, we don't want to reinvent the wheel, right? We're busy, we've got stuff to do, but we want to get a great result and and get value. Let's think about the people that are listening today. Who would you recommend to me or my programs or to work with me or do this sort of work? And what advice would you have for them? Well, first of all, I keep forwarding all your webinars to people. Oh, aren't you wonderful? (laughs) Like you need to sign up to this. Look, I think anybody can reflect on and spend time in an executive program and coaching session with someone like yourself, Sarah. And I think, to be honest with you, I think it doesn't always have to be when you've reached that level of being an executive. You could start that journey a bit earlier as you lead into that. I mean... On reflection, maybe I should have done it 10 years ago, you know. Obviously, you know, I've had that inflection point and I think for anybody who's at that point, particularly in a leadership role or in an executive career and are thinking about what they're trying to do, that may be different to them, maybe a confidence-building next step. I would certainly highly recommend that, especially if you've got loads of ideas but you're not sure how to really bring that together Yeah, to think about what that next step could look like or how those puzzle pieces come together. Yes. I would just really highly recommend this program for them. I think also it forces you to spend the time Yeah, on yourself. I don't think this can happen incidentally. That was probably my original method, you know, is that incidentally I'll end up making these choices, and I think I may have been fine, right? Yeah. But one, it's been hugely confidence-building for me because it's really reinforced maybe what I already knew about myself, but sometimes you need 
you know, someone who's a third party to shine that light. And then secondly, to really help structure, you know, that thought process and provide those ideas that really spark some of those next steps. Yeah. So I've noticed even when we were working together that you post on LinkedIn quite a bit now. You do a lot of speaking opportunities. Tell me, apart from the confidence and like you've said already, uh, was there any other sort of big things that happened that you were like, yes, fantastic. I can attribute that to building my profile. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our careers and we hear the statement building your brand. And I think if you're someone who doesn't like talking about yourself, you attribute that to you know, the superficial things, right? And I, for a long time, didn't fully understand or connect with that statement. I think as I spent time with you, what I've realised is building your brand is actually not necessarily about the superficial things. No. It's about the depth of your knowledge, what you want the rest of the world to see you as, right? And your ability to define that and then really play in that space. So, you know, I think I've learned how to use LinkedIn more effectively. We all have a professional network, but, you know, so what? And I really have realized that there's real benefit in utilizing those toolkits, those relationships, those networks far more effectively. That's probably the big learning for me. I often speak to people and I have clients in the past who are fascinated by or really keen to get into product. So it's a little bit off topic. So what advice would you have for them? So now you look after technology and product and, you know, obviously got extensive experience in this space. But, you know, it seems to me like a lot of people who are in the tech space or, you know, even other sort of areas have a real interest, particularly in banking actually, have a real interest in getting into the product space. Have you seen that? Is that sort of like the place everyone wants to be or is it, you know, not? That's such an interesting question actually. I think it just depends on the evolution of your career. And I don't think we should box ourselves, right? Like I'm in tech, so I'm always going to be doing coding or, you know what I mean? Like, I think one of the interesting things about people in technology is you see the wide range of solutions that where problems have been solved. And so there's such an opportunity for people who have worked in the technology space to lead in the product space. Because often you're seeing a a problem from a very different lens in the sense that technologists in an organization are often encountering all parts of the organization, right? So if you think about the roles that I've had in the past, I mean, I would encounter and connect with and help solve problems for not just marketing or not just accounting or not just supply chain, right? Often I'd get to see a really wide range But one of the interesting observations that I have, and as I've built teams, this is what I've encouraged them to do, is technology people spend a lot of time building technology skills. Yes. My recommendation is to build the soft skills, you know, people leadership, strategy, how an organisation exists, grows, develops and competes in its world, in its industry, right? So... My recommendation is is that you don't need to keep just doing another tech course or learn or listening to more tech. Whatever your learning journey is, I would encourage people to explore. You know, if you're trying to get into product service design, what it means to be involved in creating something for customers, that customer experience base. So it's really what we call those soft skills. Mm. 
That's really interesting because I know that some people, particularly as they're progressing in the tech space, there's sort of this feeling of, oh, you know, if I want to get that next job, I sort of have to know everything in the tech space. Like, And I often say, you know, you don't, you just need to know how to lead those people. But I think that mindset shift of like, I don't need to know everything about every program, that's why I'm here. And that's a great point about this, learning those soft skills. It's Yeah, I can just see how that would be so valuable to the organisation. Another thing that often comes up, and it depends, I think, on the maturity of the company, so I'm interested in your perspective on this, that tech's there to fix everything. And, you know, if I've got a problem, it's tech's fault. So have you ever had that problem, you know, in terms of shifting from a fix-it culture to a actually you know, we're over here doing this great stuff. So how have you navigated that if you've had that problem before? You know, where tech becomes an order taker rather than a strategic partner. And I think in any organisation today, if you think about customer expectations and the role that digitization has played, right? Now, what does that all mean? Today, given we've got such an advancement in technology, everyday mums and dads, everyday people have access to technology, right, to run their lives, to do their jobs, to whatever it is, right, which was not probably the case 10, 15 years ago. So the day-to-day individual's technology skills is actually really high. If you think about the, you know, Gen Zs, like our young adults and teenagers who are digital natives, they have incredible technology skills, right? So for us now, it's about as organisations, how are we exploring and transforming to keep up with that um, and to keep up with those expectations and those skills? And, you know, technology and technology leaders are now strategic partners. Yes. You know, they need to be a critical part of what I call a business solution, right, which is not a tech solution. You're not ringing your tech team to say, hey, can you fix this, right? It's we have a business problem we're trying to solve and we will solve that through technology no matter what we do because that's the only way (laughs) to meet those customer expectations. So how can we involve our technologists and those that play a role in technology as a critical part about thinking about that strategy and how that strategy gets solved through a technology outcome. Yeah. So I think it's shifting and I think that the important part for people who are in technology but also who are evolving and emerging as tech leaders is to be able to have a conversation that is based around the solution and the problems we're trying to solve for customers and for organisations rather than the tech itself. Yes, I like that. And I was just going to add too that, that ability to tell a story. And to have that experience, you're right. Because, and it's funny when I think about, I mean, I won't go back that many years, but (laughs) you know, there used to be a day that the technology at work was better than your technology at home, right? And then that shifted. And now it's like everyone's so, you know, tech savvy and everything's there for you. So yeah, that's really interesting. And I think too, to separate yourself from 
if you really want to excel and sort of keep moving up in your career in technology, you have to have those leadership skills and abilities to tell stories and connect all those business strategic dots, which feeds into those soft skills you just said. That's fantastic. Now, I know people are going to want to reach out to you, Sheena, because you have so much fabulous information to share and advice and learnings, and you often speak at events as well. So where can people find you? People can find me on LinkedIn. Thank you, Sarah, for encouraging me to use it. And that's probably the easiest way to reach me is to just, in the words of the youth in my household, DM me. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Slide into my LinkedIn DMs and have a chat. And, you know, I'm particularly, as you know, really committed particularly to helping women in STEM. Yes. And helping grow women in STEM and encourage and support. I think that haven't always had a really good experience. People always haven't had those leaders that they could lean on, rely on, feel like that they're being supported and championed by. And so if you're that person, reach out because I'm really committed to ensuring that where we have women who want to grow in STEM, that they can find a place to be supported, championed. And if it's not me, you know, I'm happy to liaise through an entire network of amazing women that I myself have come across and connect them in. Yeah, and you have got an amazing network, don't you, of other tech leaders as well? Yeah, I mean, I feel really, I want to say lucky, but I think that you attract people like yourself and, you know, I've been really keen to see a tribe of women who are really, you know, committed to each other's careers but are committed to celebrating each other, right, rather than being threatened or challenged by that. And um, over the years, you know, I've got an eclectic group (laughs) and, you know, I reflect on a quick story. A couple of weeks ago I really wanted to bring a group of people together to attend the Justin Tarada and Breakfast, which is next week, and... I started out with, I should have just really leaned in, by the way, and just booked a table of 10, right? But I wasn't quite game. So I reached out to about the first six people. And so we locked that in pretty quick. And then I thought, oh, geez, I better just book that table of 10. And one of the women, she messaged and she said, just do it, Sheena. And she sent the muscle emoji, the power emoji. It's kind of long story short, we've got two tables of 10. And in fact, you know, if I had the time, we probably could have filled a third. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be wonderful too. I'm looking forward to that event. Yes, we're connecting there next week, aren't we? (laughs) Which will be great. And that's often all it needs, isn't it? Just one person to light that little spark and everyone wants to be a part of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think we've got to do a bit more of that and champion women together that want to feel support each other. And there are a whole bunch of women that are coming next week who I've never met before. (laughs) (laughs) How's that? I realised that one of the ladies in the group is also in another group that I'm in. So that'll be really interesting because we've never actually met properly, but we are in two groups. Well, it's going to be really wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sheena. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And like Sheena said, you can connect with her on LinkedIn. And also I've got a special download in the notes. So grab that. It's on um, strategic networking. So don't forget to subscribe and review and share the podcast with anyone that you think would find value. Thanks again. And I'll see you next week. 
Thank you for listening. Hopefully you've learned something from this episode that's going to help you make actionable changes in the way you approach your career. If you liked today's episode, make sure to rate, review, and share this with a friend. And as always, see you next time.